Welcome back to the Life Beyond the Summit, Faith Journey Podcast for Men. I'm your host, Steve Crowdis, and uh, I'm in studio with Andrew Plyles. Hello, Andrew. Hello, Steve, again. Hey, and this week we have an alternate uh, because Ken this week is out on personal leave, so it's Andrew and I doing um, the lift this week, and so we're going to go back. Andrew, I wanted to tell you, last week we talked a little bit more about how alive the Word of God is, so different than any other that I referred to it as literary work, any other written work, there's nothing like it in its life-giving aspects. But before I became a Christian, we're just going to jump right in here, audience. Before I became a Christian, it meant nothing to me. And I, and we talked about that last week. And that really does strike to a scripture in uh, Hebrews 4. If you're, if you're sitting down somewhere and can get your Bible handy, get your Bible handy. We'll, we'll look at this for just a few minutes. Um, in Hebrews 4, and I'll just read this first opening couple of verse 12. verses. Well, before verse 12, it says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, this was Paul writing to the Hebrews, uh, let us be careful that none of you be fallen, be found to be fallen away or fallen short of it. For you also have good news proclaimed to us, just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them. I thought this was really interesting, Andrew, because it says, it goes on, it says, because... They did not share the faith of those who obeyed. So I now understand really fully why it never meant anything to me. I, I understood this before, but coming on the scripture this, today just makes me realize the reason it meant nothing to me prior to salvation is because I didn't have any faith. And without faith, of course, it's impossible to please God. It's impossible to know God. So when I accepted Jesus as my Savior, this, his word, became alive to me, and it's... and. Paul talks about it right here in, in the book of Hebrews. But let's go down to verse 12. This is really per, pretty powerful. Again, this whole chapter is on the concept of rest, the Sabbath rest. But in verse 12, it says this, For the word of God is alive and active. It's sharper than any, and I want to emphasize the word any, double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing of the soul and the spirit, joints and marrow, It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Nothing in all of creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Wow. If that isn't a mouthful. And and Andrew, listen to what it says in my commentary. If I can, is it all right to go and read the commentary? Okay, so it says the word. Now, this is the commentary on uh, verse 12 out of chapter 4 of Hebrews. And this is in the NIV. So if you have an NIV study Bible, yours will read the same. It says, The word of God is not simply a collection of words from God, a vehicle for communicating ideas. It is living, life-changing, and dynamic as it works in us. With the incisiveness of a surgeon's knife, God's word reveals who we are and what we are not. It penetrates the core of our moral and spiritual life. It discerns what is within us, both good and evil. The demands of God's word require decisions. And we must not only listen to the word, we must also let it shape our lives. Wow. Uh, And then it goes on. I'll just read this last piece. It says, nothing can be hidden from God. He knows about everything, everyone, everywhere, about us in wide open uh about about us is wide open to his all-seeing eyes. God sees all, 
we do and knows all that we think. Even when we are unaware of his presence, he is there. When we try to hide from him, he sees us. We can have no secrets from God. It's comforting to realize that although God knows us intimately, he still loves us. Wow. The while we are yet sinners concept. Wow, what do you think of that's a mouthful, Andrew? The the whole idea that his word is living and active and sharper than any two inch sword. The writer of Hebrews wanted to make a point that it's living, it's active, and it's sharper than any two edged sword. There's nothing on earth or in the universe that is sharper than the word of God. And I was asking Steve before I said, what's the most powerful thing on earth? Is it a hurricane? Is it a tornado? Is it an earthquake? I mean, think about power. Well, there's nothing more powerful than the word of God. Absolutely nothing more powerful. And it says, my version says, and piercing as far as the division of soul and spirit, piercing, meaning the word pierces. Do you know, they talk about joints and marrow. It's hard to separate the marrow out of a joint, but for some reason, the word of God can do it. And I want to focus on this and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Mm -hmm. So remember, we're talking about what the word says about the word. It's all throughout scripture. So how does it judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart? Well, I ran to another scripture in Jeremiah 17. Oh yeah, that's a great one. It talks about the heart. Now, if you ask any psychologist and psychiatrist and just any guy on the street, do you know the heart is extremely um, tough to judge? Mm-hmm. Because the heart is all over the map, and it's um, something that is is nearly impossible to, to sort of grasp. Mm-hmm. I just think this is the way the heart, the heart can be fickle, the heart can be, uh, untrustworthy the heart can be evil mm-hmm. the heart can be you know truthful but it's very hard to judge but look at jeremiah 17 if anyone has their their bible it says in verse 10 but i the lord search the heart and i test the mind even to give every man according to his ways mm. according to the results of his deeds mm-hmm. but god is able steve to judge the heart he sees your heart. He knows all that it's evil, yeah. evilness, if that's a word, and all of its, you know, all that's good. Both it's good and it's bad. Yeah, but yeah. he's able to judge the heart. And so what happens is, just give me a few minutes here. When we receive Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit now is allowed to live in our heart. Mm-hmm. And he takes up residence in us. And he then guides us into all truth. In when we read the word, any word, any of his word, the Holy Spirit is is is, is uh, testifying, not on his own, mm-hmm. but to what he has heard from Jesus. And this is what Jesus did. He testified of his father. Well, the Holy Spirit now is, is giving us the, um, as, as we read the word, the Holy Spirit is revealing the truth. It's, 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 it both looks at you as you're looking at it and it teaches you, you know, where the sin is in your life, where you weren't Mm -hmm. truthful. Sometimes Mm -hmm. it shows you how to concentrate. It shows you what's important through the word. It convert. There's a scripture in Psalm. We've talked about Psalm um, 19. It says it converts your soul, Mm -hmm. teaches you how to think. So it's sharp. It cuts. It divides your thoughts into what is of the flesh and what is of the spirit. 
what is of the world and what is heavenly. Yeah. It's somehow able to cut the truth from what is false from and teach from you how to live and how to prosper in the Lord, in his kingdom, the kingdom of the spirit as opposed to the kingdom of the flesh, the mind of the spirit as opposed to the mind of the flesh, the body to walk according to his ways versus what people do to their bodies here on earth. Yeah, I, I liked what you said before we went on the podcast. You you quoted, um, uh, I don't know where the reference was, but I, I think we probably have it marked, the, the notion that the Holy Spirit did only what the Father where was that, Andrew? Um, what what the Father instructed? Well, it says when the Helper comes. Now Jesus is talking to his disciples. Yeah, what is that? Is that it's uh, uh, it's Matthew, John fifteen John fifteen twenty six. Yeah. John fifteen twenty six says, um, "In that day, you will ask in my name, and I will do. I oh, I will. I'm sorry. Let's see. Where was it? Hold on a second. It's um. Is it, uh, is it on your little notepad here? Fifteen twenty six. No, right here, right here, right here at the bottom." Uh, sorry guys oh yeah i'm sorry yeah uh fifth i'm I'm looking at andrew's bible is a little different than mine but it says when the helper comes whom i will send to you from the father that the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father he will testify about me and you will testify also because you have been with me from the beginning um but again it says that the spirit of truth who proceeds from the father he will testify about me so the spirit of truth is testifying about the Lord and is testifying about Jesus Christ, but he's only doing and saying what the Father instructs him to say and to do. And I, I guess the point is, as we as we engage his word, it, it cannot be something that we are looking for a slot machine experience with. And I, I you know, the reason we're having this conversation is because, you know, we spent first five weeks, right, Andrew, of the month of January and the first week or so into February talking about a need to be in God's word. And then I decided, you know, really I felt like it was it was important to stress why is the word important? What's different about the word? What makes it so powerful? Well, we're reading that today. We're reading about what makes it so powerful. It is living and active. And, you know, the percentages, Andrew, you know, again, I, the audience kind of knows this if you've been following this consistently. Statistically, 75% uh, of us are not reading our Bibles. And only 25%, according to Barna Research, of the church believes in the inerrancy of the word. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's very sad. So if, if we're not going to base our faith on the word, what are we basing it on? Mental assent? I mean, I, I hate to sound you know right. frustrated, but it does frustrate me. And you know what, Andrew, it frustrates me when I do that. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit. You know, we, we talked about maybe giving some life examples. You know, everybody that's listened to this consistently knows that I was raised under the under the the, the uh, notion of shame, just just this incredible shame, and my parents were raised generationally in shame. They brought that to the table when they raised the three of us. Unfortunately for me, it hit me the hardest. I don't know why. My brother's the middle. It didn't hit him as hard. It did hit my sister, and it hit me. It hit me the worst of the three of us. I lived in shame, and I chose to believe in the the verdict of the shame cast on me over God's word, even well into my relationship with Christ. Right. But Andrew, that shame never led me to anything but darkness. And even today, when there is a, a leaning into shame because it's the way I was raised, I mean, I was raised in it from the very beginning, my earliest memory. And they say you're formed in the first six years. 
I certainly got shamed then. I got shamed throughout my, my uh, growing up process. So it does want to haunt me occasionally. But I find when I settle into shame, it leads to more shame. It's so as you sow, so also shall you reap, it says in Scripture. And as I sowed into shame, Andrew, I fell deeper into shame. And then guess where shame led? To a sense of fear that I was not worthy, and that led to a sense of hopelessness. There is no value in mental ascent. Okay, so so before you explain how you get out of that, remember, so we painted a picture that there's something on this earth called the Word. The Word is active and living and sharper than than any any two-edged sword. sword. So, Steve, go on. So, so we have we have the word. We have the word in our houses. And Steve, go ahead. You've you've got this shame in your life now. Now, did you pick up the word? Well, what what I finally did is really it it was helpful. This is why it's so good for us to not be alone. We need to be accountable and associate with other believers. When I was bold enough to share that I was battling with shame. You know, we're so proud. We don't want to, we, it's that poser thing again, right? We're masking. all actors masking. We mask, we pose, we put on a, everybody says, how you doing? Oh, I'm doing great. Well, not really. How are you doing under, under all that, you know? And we're not called to be under anything. We're called to be overcomers. Well, I began to decide I was not living well. I didn't feel healthy on any level. And I want to tell you something, audience, and I bet you would agree with this. And Andrew, you can as well. When you're mentally unwell, you, it affects your physical absolutely affects your physical yeah. weight gain, you know, whatever, all the above. Yeah. You, you start eating like crazy because you, you need some endorphin fire to say that you've got some worth, some yeah. value, you need some comfort. And we often turn to food or alcohol or drugs or some other uh, porn or whatever it is. But the point is I, I found myself going deeper and deeper into this shame. And I thought I got to break this cycle. So I got with some brothers in the Lord this years ago, actually. And then through prayer and an encouragement to get into his word. And even though you read the words and you do not believe them initially, you keep reading them. You keep reading them. Keep reading them. Keep confessing them. Keep believing them. Keep reading, confessing, believing, reading, confessing, believing. And eventually, Andrew, though the feelings didn't change immediately, those lies began to be overwritten with the truth of God's word. You know, so, so let, me, let me ask you this. Yeah, so what I hear you saying is, because I, but this is kind of the first time I've heard this. You didn't change the th- the bad thinking, the sh- let's call it sh- the I shame overwrote thinking. the shame thinking. But it didn't change immediately. And In other words, you overnight. didn't read the word no. and the skies were blue and sunshines no, and no, lollipops. that was not the case. It was I every like day for a little bit, you know, maybe for 10 minutes here or 10 seconds there or speaking the word out of your mouth consistently over years, correct? Absolutely, yeah. Being committed to it, being committed to it, and pressing on, you you took a you took a leap of faith every day, and you said, the word, I'm, I'm going to choose to believe the word. So what happened is, Steve, is the word got in you. And you being active and seeking God through his word it started making an impression on your on your thoughts. Again, that scripture in Psalm nineteen says, "Yeah, I'm the word of the that. Lord." Go ahead, Psalm nineteen uh, one. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Uh, Psalm one two says, "But those who delight in the Lord and who meditate on it day and night, you know that that those are the ones who will delight." It says, "But they they delight in the law of the Lord 
meditating on it day and night. And I began to meditate on it as frequently as I had, you know, I was encouraged to do this. When I had a shameful uh, sense or, 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 you know, thought or reflection, I began to quote scriptures that brought me out of shame, that brought me out. Perfect love, for example, cast out all fear because fear has to do with judgment and judgment has to do with shame. Right. Shame is the beginning of fear. Let me just explain real quickly. Shame has feelings like this. I'm not worthy. I'm not good enough. Yes. I can't handle it. I'm worthless. You know, everyone, I'm not good looking. Yeah. I'm not whatever it is. Yeah, whatever. So so Steve dealt with lots of inadequacy, but the word paints a different picture. The word? He's, exactly I can right. do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Yeah. He's given me all things pertaining to life and godliness. Mm-hmm. You know, I uh, fear not for I am with you. I have called you by name. So the Bible counteracts all of that terrible thinking. And in Psalm 19, it says, it says, the word of the Lord, it says something like this, the word, the law of the Lord. Mm. Um, is, is that the one that says yeah, it's perfect? Uh, uh, um, converts the soul. Yeah. Oh, yes. Okay. Yes. It goes on to talk about other things, but I don't know what your version says. Steve, the law of the Lord converts the soul. Now, our brain, before we were believers, did nothing but walk according to the flesh and all of its desires. It knew nothing about the Spirit, yes. about the kingdom of God, I call it. But in Christ, we have to allow the Word that, remember, divides between bone and marrow, between soul and spirit, and it judges the thoughts and the intention of the heart. So, audience, you have to allow the Word, okay, and the Holy Spirit to have a profound effect on how you think. It will eventually, even though you don't may feel it or have any sense of it in the beginning, it'll eventually convert you to proper thinking. All the things, all the misgivings and all the improper teaching, even, even in the in the in body of Christ, all the things that you're wrong about, God will the Holy Spirit will reveal to yes, you yeah. by the word. It has that profound sharpness that it's able to get you to think the way God wants you to see yourself in your case, wow. Steve. Yeah, Mark, uh, in Psalms 19.7, I'm going to read this through about uh, 12 or 13, but it says, the law of the Lord is perfect. Now, now, just if you're struggling with something, just listen to these words, whatever that struggle is, whether it's a whether it's a, a, a addiction. addiction or what it is, listen to this. The law of the Lord, Andrew just quoted this, is perfect. The law, it is perfect. Andrew, are you perfect? Am I perfect? No, but the law of the Lord is perfect. Refreshing the soul. Well, I mean, that's beautiful all by itself. The law of the Lord, the word of God is perfect. It refreshes the soul. So I have a choice when I read that. Do I want to believe that or do I want to believe the other alternative? Oh, the Bible does say faith comes by hearing and and hearing hearing by by the the word word. of God. So God has given you faith as you believe. And so let me read on. It says the statutes, I'll I'll read this a little more uh, quickly now. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. Do you feel simple? Well, the law of the Lord is trustworthy and it makes you wise. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. Um, wow, the precepts of the Lord are right, and they bring joy to you and I. Well, then read the precepts of the Lord, which are part of the word. It's the word, another use of the word. 
The commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. Wow. Do you feel like you're in dark spaces, dark places? You know, I remember I remember when uh, a couple of my kids, one of my own and one of my stepkids, when they were at an age, they were they were all into the dark, the dark mm. side, black, black clothes, uh, black goth, boots. Goth. Gothic. Even, yeah. even my daughter was for a period. Just dyed her hair black. My, yeah. my stepson black clothes black darkness black <laughs> black cape like those uh yeah duster you know like a western duster yeah. black so instead Everything of like black. dyeing the hair purple they went with they went black, black. It went, he didn't have black hair but the, the one of them but he was dark it was right. a dark thing and here it says uh the commands of the lord are radiant they give light to your eyes they don't bring darkness they bring light they bring illumination the fear of the lord is pure enduring forever well that's encouraging the fear of the Lord, that's the perfect perfect love drives out all fear. Well, you know, the beginning, the, the fear of the Lord is the beginning Getting of all wisdom. wisdom. Yeah. And that is the one fear we should have. We should have a righteous fear of God because of his purity. But his His purity and, his, and the fear of the Lord endures forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. Well, that's encouraging. In other words, what he says is firm and it is righteous, meaning it is right, where everything else we perceive is potentially wrong. Um, verse 10, they are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. By them, your servant is warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. By them, I'm a servant, Andrew's a servant. You that may be listening, if you've accepted Jesus Christ, you are a servant. By these words, we are warned. And that warning is outside of his word, there is death inside of his word. There is life and life eternal. Um, go ahead, Andrew. Yeah. You know, it reminds me of, I, I can give you an example of putting this to you. So my wife last week, she says, do you know what today is Andy or Andrew? I said, no idea. She says a two year oh, yeah. anniversary of me flipping my car. So she go, she's a school teacher. She has to drive from Wildwood to South County. So she's on Wildwood and it was a January or February morning. The, the, as she's turning kind of the corner to go downhill, Steve, the mm-hmm. light is just piercing. Well, she ends up hitting the back of a trailer of Baxter Gardens, and she's in a Chevy Cruze. The car flips. She says it flipped three times, but it flipped at least twice. So I get to the scene, and she had already been taken to Mercy Hospital. And I talked to the cop, and the cop's like, she told me the whole story. She obviously, I don't know, the light blinded her and she hit the back and the car just flipped. So, um, so this two anniversaries come up. I can tell you this, Steve, every day she'd pass that twice on the way to work and on the way back. She had a form of a little bit of PTSD. Mm-hmm. So she'd pass it. That memory would come back of her turning the car. And, um, and every time she got into the car, she would, she would, she would be, you know, obviously in the beginning, a little nervous. Am I going to get hit again? Am I going to hit something? You know, people do suffer from this. They get into a car accident or a traumatic incident at war or, you know, lose a baby or something, you know, their husband has a heart attack. This becomes something that gets lodged in their head and they have to fight those fears, Steve. And wow. so one thing, as a side note, they took her to mercy because the paramedic said, did the car, they got there a little late. Oh, no, sorry, the fire engine got there right down the street. Did she roll the car? They said, yeah, take her to mercy. So she gets to mercy and I get there. She's gone for only like 40, 40 minutes from when I, she comes back. She only came out with 
no head injuries, no neck injuries. She had a slight abrasion on her cheek. It's a true story. And a tiny concussion. Now think about that, guys. She rolled this thing twice. But my point is, is that as she was suffering from this form of, you know, I can't get over this fear, I had her go back to the word. Look at what the word says. Don't look about, you know, other other people would have said, what do I do? Well, you know, remain strong. Remember, you're a strong woman. Remember, you can, you know, you've accomplished many things. You know, be positive. Uh, Don't be negative. Remember, good thoughts, you know, Mm -hmm. happy Mm -hmm. thoughts. Mm -hmm. This is what the world brings you. But the word says this. In in um, Psalm 12, verse 6, it says, remember this is the word talking about the word, the words of the Lord are pure words. As silver tried in a furnace on the earth, refined seven times. It says, you, O Lord, will keep them. You will preserve him or her from this generation forever. In other words, so... It, said, it says the words of the Lord are pure words, even mm-hmm. pure than, or as pure as silver refined in a furnace six times. Mm. So I said, Chrissy, I said, uh, he will keep you. He will preserve you. And there's a, there's a scripture that says, he will keep you and preserve you in your coming and your going from this time forth and forevermore. Keep looking at the scripture. Keep reminding you mm. that you're not a fearful person. That God will, the, in, in, in uh, Psalm 91, it says, he shall command his angels concerning you to keep you in all your ways or to guard you in all your ways, lest you, lest you, lest you uh, strike your foot against a stone. So I guess to sum it up is, did she flip the car? Did she get injured? To, well, I guess she got injured a little bit. And, you know, it did happen. But God kept her. He preserved her. She needs to remind herself of what, what the word says and not go back to the carnality of your wow. flesh, the fear, the worry, and all those tricks that the brain kind of hits us on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. Steve, from the time we wake up, it's like the brain, our minds never stop reminding of us, reminding us of all of all the snares that we that we could potentially get into during the day. Oh, what yeah. if that happens? Well, what if the money doesn't come through? What if the person lied to me and the check is not on the way? What if that bill is not paid for? That They, they didn't get that check. Are going to get fees? I mean, it's just constant about money. Yeah, It's constant yeah. about our kids. Our yeah. kids are going to be safe. I got a kid now who's gone down to Mardi Gras in Brazil. Well, that's a wicked nation too. Is oh, he yeah. going to be safe down there? You know, I keep speaking the word over his life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting just in these few scriptures that we've read out of Psalms, the one just Andrew just did about the refinement of silver that here in, in verse in chapter 19 verses one through, uh, or seven through 14 reading about, you know, the law of the Lord is perfect. Those scriptures alone, Andrew, and then the, the scripture we read out of Hebrews four twelve, they're enough. If we can just believe those scriptures and then because of those scriptures say, well, then why would I go anywhere else? But to conf- to read, to recite, to memorize, to read, to recite, to memorize, to act on, why would I go anywhere else but God's word? And yet it is so simple to do that. But there's enough right here in these few scriptures that we're reading today to be convincing. Well, what, what do you think the main reasons people well, don't you know, go there? I, I, think, I, think, I think of myself when I don't go there, 
it's, I think partly because there is a tendency in your mind to believe that God doesn't hear. How could he possibly hear my one little tiny voice out of the billions that are on the face of the earth? There is that tendency. And then I think there's also the sense that, you know, the the word says, they that wait upon the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up as with wings on eagles. They will walk and not grow weary. They will run and so on. But we don't want to wait. We are not waiters. We are very impatient I mean, look, you know. Well, the other thing I was going to say is a lot of people think, well, it'll work for you and Steve, but it hasn't worked for me. And I've had that thought many times. Well, Well, we all have, sure. The pastor's got it together, and, you know, maybe the people who work for the pastor, and, um, you know, my friend over there, maybe he's got it together. He's seen results, but I'm not getting results. You know, the Bible says knowing his word is greater than choice silver and fine gold. Yeah, yeah. And there's nothing sweeter than the honeycomb. Oh, yeah. So, you know, and Steve, we, we live in a world, like you said, we're not able to wait to, to get, to get the knowledge of God and allow the Holy spirit to do his work, who reminds you of what the word says, who leads you into all truth. This stuff takes time. Yes. It doesn't even, I'm not going to, I'm not even going to say it takes 10 years. It takes Literally it, your whole life. It might and take a lifetime. It'll, it does take a lifetime. And, yeah. you know, it's one one understanding here and one nugget there, you know, maybe one a day or three a day or one a week, and they build. And it's a slow process. But you got, Steve, you got to start somewhere. Oh, yeah. You got to, and you got to be diligent to oh, do it. absolutely. And, and let it, let, let the Holy Spirit, you know, we live, it's a whole lifetime. So let the Holy Spirit start building those truths to you one at a time it says we see a little here. Yeah. We, we hear a little there and, and it adds up, it adds up so that eventually you get to the point where you're confident you can actually teach it to others. Well, here's another thing in, in Psalm uh, one nineteen eighty nine it says your word Lord is eternal. It says it stands firm in the heavens. Mm. Well, okay. So, I mean, what more, again, just in these three or four scriptures, now this one I've read, there are many more like it that really affirm that the word is the answer, that there is no other answer. And here's an interesting thing, Andrew. Unlike the word, you know, I can go to 10 different guys or 10 different gals and get, because 10 plus 10 is 20, I can get 20, 20 different opinions. And so the question really becomes, right? you know what that does? You know, the... There, there, there is. It tricks your heart. It, it does. Well, well, there is a scripture that says there is wisdom in the mul- in a multitude of counselors, but I will tell you the counselors it's referring to, it's not referring to worldly counsel. It's referring to godly counsel. That's true. And those who are godly will give you word driven counsel. It will be word driven. It will not be mental assent. And I'm, I'm telling well, you, back, I'm saying well, this so quick, emphatically, Andrew. Because in Psalm one, it says. It says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Of the wicked, yeah. And who are the wicked? But those who are outside the kingdom of God. Um, they are by nature wicked because we read, Andrew didn't read the, the verse before the one he was reading in, in verse 10, but in verse 9 it says, the heart is deceitful and there is no good in it. And so that's out of Jeremiah. And so we we have to recognize, just as we recognize the power and validity of God's word through the scriptures we've shared, we also have to recognize the alternative where it says in that verse 9 of Jeremiah that the heart is deceitful. That's so right. if we want to believe in the heart, 
it better be the heart of Jesus. It better be the heart of the Lord and not the heart of another man. And you know what? Now, Andrew, you know, when I have issues, I'll call you, Mm -hmm. you know, and, but listen, you guys, he is the multitude of counseling that I want, that we want to turn to. He is a faithful, uh, a Christ follower. He is a God fearing man. And well, I and I should give his you counsel. He should give me. I should give you what the word biblical says. Biblical counseling, biblical advice, and and I got to tell you, when I call Andrew, if you don't have friends that do this, when I call Andrew, he'll say, "Well, let's look at what the word has to say about this." And maybe you don't use those words exactly, but you'll that you'll use words similar, or you'll say, "What does Scripture say?" Let's look at Scripture. You know, so one way or another. It's going to come out. Let's find a scripture. Now, here, here's the way I encourage you guys. If you don't even know where to begin on these matters, look at what you're struggling with. And the, the really cool thing about modern technology, Andrew, I know you'll totally agree with this, is its resourcefulness to make quick connections to words, to, to thought processes, whatever they may be. So, for example, let's say you're a person struggling with fear. If you put fear, show me, go, go online and Google the word, the use of the word fear are anecdotes for fear in the gospel or in the Bible. And it will pull up every fear scripture there, there is. If you deal with shame, it will pull up every shame scripture there is. Right. And what you need to do is begin to meditate. Don't, don't try to chomp on, you know, a hundred different verses. Uh, you can do that. Yeah, find one, two Initially, or three. Find one, two or three verses on the subject that you're battling, the, the area that you're weak in and allow yourself to be transformed in that one area. And here's the cool thing. It's kind of like telling a dieter, you know, just try drinking, you know, like like I've been told, you know, I'm overweight. I'm I struggle with it. I'm I'm finding it not terribly successfully, but I'm I'm making some progress. But I the point I'm making, I know it's hard. All of these things are very very hard to do. But what I've been told to do is not to take away everything and go cold, just eliminate one thing. You know, maybe stop doing bread or stop doing soda, whatever it may be, you know, uh, but the point is in the same way, grab a scripture or two or three, meditate on those, get some victory. And I promise you, this is something I can absolutely promise you because it's what God's word says. We have to believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who earnestly seek him. We have to believe that his word is sharper than any two edged sword and that it's able to divide rightly as it speaks to in Hebrews four twelve. We have to believe it. We just have to believe it. And as you believe it, you believe me, believe you, me, God, <laughs> that the Lord wants to reveal himself yeah. through his word. Yeah. That's what it's all about. He's not one that he shrinks away from a relationship with us. Yeah. Just as he's there, you know, the greatest faith you've ever demonstrated, audience, without any knowledge of him is accepting him. That took great faith. Well, it uh, took simple faith, minor faith, and God, great faith at the same scripture time. Scripture says God did give you but the he, faith to believe. Honor, yes. And then you chose to believe. Yes. But if you read the word, you know, it says faith comes by hearing. Hearing comes by the word of God. Yeah. So just by yeah. meditating on those scriptures, I'm going to add something to that too. Yeah, definitely. Just by meditating on those scriptures, you get faith. Yes. Now, the more you meditate on them, the more faith comes. Mm-hmm. I'll add to this too, two things. So you're dealing with fear. It's a good example, but you can deal with all kinds of money issues or marital problems or whatever. But fear is so, kind of so the stick with fear. So ask, say, God, I want to seek you regarding these these this fear issue. Can you can you reveal ask the Holy Spirit, reveal, reveal to me what I'm missing here. Show me what I'm missing. And then the other thing I'll add is this, Steve. Take that scripture 
that one that you like the best or the two or the three and memorize it. Okay. Now I'm not a great memorizer, but the more you, so you can't be looking at your Bible all the time. You know, you've got work to do. You've got kids to raise, right? You got to drive a car, but you can always talk about it. You can say, you know, um, he has not given me a spirit of fear, but power, yeah. love, and sound mind. Mm-hmm. Fear not, for I am with you. I have called you by name. Um, I have not given you, uh, it says, um, uh, perfect love casts out, casts out all fear. Now, I don't struggle with a lot of fear, but I know those because I've read them so much. So, mm-hmm. much. Mm-hmm. so it's good to memorize them so that if you need to th- pull it out of your brain, just speak it out of your mouth. And it is powerful to speak the word of God out of your mouth. Absolutely. So these are just a few principles well, you could use to help you absolutely. battle in that area and see how God moves. Yeah, the minute that you start to feel weak and fear, quote scriptures like those, perfect love casts out all fear. God has not given me a spirit of fear. The ones that Andrew just mentioned. Um, uh, or any other scriptures that you're memorizing. Any, any scriptures I mean, that Jesus has a lot to say about fear. Yeah, when the minute that you begin to feel, so for example, you know, talk about weight loss. The minute I feel tempted i have to deal with that temptation i actually do use the word of god to help me with my diet when i when when it comes to mind you know i i I dive into the notion that i do not have to give in to my flesh i don't have to you know allow myself to be led i'm led by the spirit not by the body not by my emotions not by my sensations not by by my physical uh being but and also and also when you feel that spirit of shame hit you either from your past or yeah, I feel my, yeah. and I have shame in my life. I don't deal like I do, but I have other things, you know, other things I've dealt with. You combat it the same way I told my wife, go to the word. What is, and then if you can just pull it out of your, of your mouth and say, no, no, uh, this is what the word of God said. Now, remember when Jesus was tempted in the desert for 40 days, mm-hmm. he did in, in the, let's just use one of them. Jesus says, well, if you're the son of God, um, Turn these stones into bread. Is that how scripture goes? I said, turn, yeah, turn, turn this into bread. And he didn't say, well, um, you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna listen to you, devil. I'm not gonna, uh, I, 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 I'm gonna resist you. Or he didn't come up with some fleshly thing that you know, I'm the son of God. I don't have to answer to you. He said, it is written. Yeah. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And then he was then tempted with two other temptations. He, but I love this, Steve. He says, he said, it is written. And in the yeah, same let, way, let me, let me, we have to have that. the, yeah, we have to have the same kind of moxie. We do to go after these temptations to temptation. and to the world and the devil in that kind of um, confidence. Yeah, remember the remember Andrew mentioned earlier, and we've talked about it many times on the podcast. The devil does kill, come to kill, steal, and destroy. And, you know, in Matthew uh, 4, 1, I want to read this to you. These Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Uh, after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Uh, the tempter, the devil, came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell those stones to become bread. And in verse 4, now we're getting into Jesus' words. He says, Jesus answered, It is written. To Andrew's point, what did Jesus, if he is the example that we are to follow, what was his application to this very topic? Temptation came his way, and he said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. 
Wow. And where does the word come from the mouth of God? Through his, through the written word. And, you know, th- there are skeptics about the word, uh, but we, you know, it's, it's, it's what we have. It's what the word says it is. It is. And we have to believe it is. And uh, what is that scripture? Believe that I am and that I'm a reward of those who earnestly seek me. And mm-hmm. how do we seek him? But through his word. So, you know, hopefully this has just given you, you know, today, just kind of a, uh, uh, a, a reminder, and and we will continue, really to remind you all and ourselves. You know, it's interesting. We go to church every Sunday. I'll just say this as I kind of wrap this up, and we really hear a lot of the same, repackaged, you know, different stories, different titles. It's wonderful because we do need the repetition of God's word to get it to take hold of our our, our hearts and our minds, and to to redirect our footsteps. And to claim our purpose and plan for for God in our lives by attending to his word. Wow. Well, Andrew, it has been great talking about this today. Um, This was a little fast-paced, but, uh, you know, this is an exciting topic. We want, we encourage you to get a hold of the need to be in his word. This year, we've been talking about it since January, but now the uh, the power of the word unique to any other literary work is found in a relationship with Jesus Christ and the unction and leading and correction of the Holy Spirit, allowing him to reveal truth through the written word of God. Wow. Well, that's a mouthful. Let me pray for you all, and then we'll sign off for this week. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Father, I pray you convict our hearts that you bring truth to us. Reveal your truth and allow it to set us free. We ask that in Jesus' name. Well, until next time, you guys, God bless you. Have a great week, and we'll see you on the next podcast.